Hello, it's been another week. You know what it's time for? It's time for episode seven of Magic Talks. How is everyone? Uh, at the time of recording this on Thursday afternoon, it is currently 28 degrees. And because I record the podcast inside because I've got my whiteboard with all the notes on and everything, my windows are open, I've got the water, we can get through this. Uh, so this week it's a bit of an interesting one. We've got a mystery guest coming up in a minute. Um, who do you think it might be? It's kind of... Let me tell you a bit about how the mystery guest came around. So on Monday, when I normally sit down and go, right, this is what I want to get from the podcast. This is what I'm going to talk about this week. Absolutely nothing. Just like, okay, not to worry. Got to Tuesday. Still no idea what to talk about. And it's like, right, <laughs> what do I do? I can't miss a week because I don't have anything to talk about. Yes, I've done stuff during the week, but not enough to like put an episode together. So it's like, right, I need to call Kaylee. Now Kaylee's an actress friend of mine and she's the one that does the voiceover at the beginning. And I called her. Now when Kaylee and I talk, we're normally on the phone for at least an hour. This one was an hour and a half. We see how we all are, chat, and then we just sit down our brains kind of flow, see what comes out of it. And we were talking and I started talking and say, hang on, this is a great idea. We know who we can have on the podcast. It's like, not sure anyone's ever done it before. There might be a reason, but I've got so enthusiastic about it. It's like, the more I thought about it from like Tuesday evening, Wednesday, and now to Thursday, it's just like, oh, I think this might be the best episode I've ever done. Um, but before we start this episode, what did you think about episode six with CK? Uh, did you enjoy it? He's kind of, he's a good chap to know. Um, and then as you've seen during my Instagram and LinkedIn and all my social media. I've been asking you what your favorite magic trick you've ever seen is and how you define magic. To find out who the mystery guest is and to hear some of your answers, let's begin episode seven, starting now. Welcome to Magic Talks, hosted by Magic Man London. Magic Talks, Magic Man London. So let's start off with some of your answers because I was expecting some weird answers and just kind of, I didn't know how many people had seen it live and how many people had only seen it on TV or what sort of magic people were watching. Um, so the first answer we got was this. This was from Kayling um, and she said, I was at a circus casino in Las Vegas, Nevada and a magician cut a woman in half Keep in mind, it was a friendly, it was a family-friendly casino. Oh, that's a tongue twister, isn't it? So, okay, so that's a big stage illusion. Now, I've been reading up, just kind of thought, if I'm going to give an answer, I need to give a bit of background to what I define magic as. And I think there's three categories. Um, so there's, magic incorporates everything, but these are the three categories, in my opinion. There is close-up, so the sort of stuff that I do, the stuff I'm known for, so whether it be weddings, parties, kind of getting groups of people together, and it's magic that happens a few feet away from you, and it happens in your hand, and it's kind of, I think it's the best sort of magic. And then you've got the Darren Brown kind of mentalism side, which is all about reading people's minds, predicting the future and all that. And then you have illusions, which would be kind of sawing a woman in half, or making a helicopter appear or disappear. Um, that's what I view magic as. I think kind of 
it's a big umbrella and we all work in our own unique way. Um, somebody once said magic is one big family, a dysfunctional one, but a big family. Um, and we'll come on to that more a tiny bit later. Uh, and then I said, what does, what's the definition of magic? And she went, magic means to me a visual illusion of almost perfect masters, mastery. It's a split second of escape, a moment in a flash that leaves you with questions. I, I always wonder what questions we leave people with and whether we want to leave them with questions or do we want to leave them with amazement, with no questions. That's, I think that's the key to it, personally. Just kind of, if you see something amazing, you shouldn't have any questions, kind of, you should just remember that moment. Um, and then somebody else went, something you, when I said, what's the definition of magic? Something you see beyond your imagination. I thought that's a great answer. Um, and one person put, magic is Harry Potter. I hate to burst your bubble, he's not actually real. But uh, it is a good series of films. Personally, I think the books are better. And then this came from Teller, like Penn and Teller. Now, <laughs> I'd love to say he gave this answer. I had to Google it and it came up. And I think it's as close to kind of what magic is as possible. And this is what he said. Magic is an in intellectual art, art, let's start that one again, shall we? Magic is an intellectual art form that requires the audience's engagement as well as their suspension of disbelief. So I think there's some people out there that kind of go, they see a trick and say, oh, I want to know how that works. And I think that comes down to presentation, personally. Um, you should just be, the magician should be good enough that when you watch it, it, it happens in your head. I use cards and like the white stick and everything as a message to get that magic into your head. Um, I hope that makes sense. So, it's time for my special guest. Now, I have known him since the day I was born, really. Um, and he helps me come up with all my tricks, all my scripts and everything like that. Um, if you haven't worked out who it is yet, it's me. I'm interviewing myself. I thought, why not? Give it a go. Um, so I've made myself a list of questions, like I'm interviewing somebody. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a bit about me as well. Um, so everyone always asks me, what's my favorite trick? And it's a really tough question for a number of reasons. Um, for those of you that have seen the white stick, that's kind of everyone who's seen me, that's the best magic trick they've ever seen. Because not enough people have seen, I'm not saying it's not a great trick, it is, it's amazing. And if you haven't seen it, when you see me, I've always got it on me. Um, it fits most events, weddings, birthdays, you name it, that's normally the first trick I do. But if I'm doing a dinner party or another event where it's not mix and mingle, I probably won't start with that trick round the table because it's, it's not designed for that. So I've got favorite tricks depending on the event I'm doing. Um, if I'm doing kind of, if someone wants to see a card display, I'll probably start off with something like card under box because it's, it's just a fantastic trick. I've got so many variations of it. Um, 
So yeah, it depends entirely on the environment. I can't go, this trip works every time for every event I do. And I, and I wouldn't want it to. Um, moving on, when did you realise you wanted to become a magician? I was about six years old. And my father showed me a trick and it was such a simple trick. He took a coin, made it disappear and pulled it from behind my ear. Um, and I think I fell in love with it that second to kind of seeing the coin go and producing something from behind my ear. And it's like, I remember being at school and practicing it and I was like, oh, this is, this is great. Kind of how is nobody seeing how it works? Well, people don't want to know how it works. They want to enjoy it for what it is. Um, and then the more time I did magic, I, I worked on different variations of it. And then I stopped doing it because I thought it's, it's not a trick that feels right. I kind of people were enjoying it, but it got to the point where I wasn't enjoying it anymore. So I put it on the back burner and a few years later I thought, right, I can now add more phases to it. So now I do that and then there's another phase afterwards. I added another two and then I took one out a few months later because it just didn't it didn't need it. Um and it's just one coin and there's coin tricks I'm working on at the moment that's just one coin. And I want people to see that coin almost melt away. It's like they see it in the hand, I'll go and drop it into their hand, and as I drop it, it disappears. And that's what I want it to look like. Which leads me on to the next question, how do you come up with new tricks? Hang on, bear with me, let's need a drink of water. Hang on. Ah, that's better, there you go. Um, if it is a hot day, have, some, have something to drink. So, when I come up with a new trick, it's normally been, I've either seen something either on TV or out and about, and my brain's gone, I like that. Uh, there's one I'm working on at the moment, and it's a badge holder that I got from one of the trade shows I did. And it's like, right, it's great, and it was great for the trade show, but I want to do something with it. It looks quite magical. Um, and then I write everything in notebooks, rather than having it, online or stored somewhere, I write it in notebooks. And I came up with this trick years ago, even before like, I did this trade show and got this little device. I was like, this, wouldn't it be cool if you could do something like this? And I forgot about it, and then I was going through my notebooks the other day, I picked one up at random, and it's in there, and I was like, perfect. And now it's all almost ready to go, I just need to work on the presentation. And then, kind of, I watch magic lectures online and we go to like, the magic club, which I'll come on to later. Yes, magic clubs do exist. Um, where was I? Help? No, don't help. Um, so yeah, I then sit down and I brainstorm ideas and I try everything. For example, when I was first learning coin magic, if I wanted to make a coin disappear, I'd put it in my hand and I'd drop it. Now. That is not going to fool anyone. It didn't even fool me, but it falls to the floor and you hear it. But it's like, okay, it made the coin disappear. It's like, right, what happens if you bring a magic wand into it? What happens if you tap? Well, magic wands are quite big for a coin. Um, so it's like, right, what else have I got that could act as a magic wand that isn't? Well, we use Sharpies all the time. So it's like, right, Sharpies it is. Uh, so you now tap the coin and it goes and you see it go. So it's not like I put it into my hand and you're not sure whether it went in. You see it, I tap it three times and it disappears. 
And it's a great little trick because the audience thinks they know what's going to happen. So when you next see me, I, I might have this trick ready to go. I, I would tell you to look out for it, but there's two or three that look similar. Um, and then that leads me on to the first trick I ever learned, which was taking a coin, making it disappear, put it from, putting it from behind someone's ear. Or, even better, take a coin, make it disappear, make it drop out your nose. There's something quite funny about that. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, just kind of, and then I go down the magic shop every now and again, and we have a chat, I look around, and it just gets your brain working on kind of what happens if I combine this with this? It's how I come up with new material and it's it's such fun. It really is. And then a trick could kind of, from concept to final result, could be done in a week or two weeks. Or I could spend six months on it and at the end going, yeah, as much as I want it to work, at the moment it doesn't feel right. And I'll scrap that trick. Well, when I say I'll scrap the trick, I'll put it on a back burner and I'll come back to it when I've either learnt something else or if I'm working on something else and my brain goes, oh, remember that thing you were working on a few months ago? That's a good idea if you combine that with that. Um, so tonight I'm doing an online, this will be Thursday night, it won't be saved. There's a group on LinkedIn I belong to full of event people and we have a social every two weeks online. We've never met each other even though we're kind of when we do meet up, it's like we've known each other for years, and they went, do you fancy doing a bit of magic? Now, I have never done magic online. So it's a bit of a learning curve, but I'm treating it as a bit of fun and seeing what happens. So earlier on, I was practicing it, and it's like, okay, this works. Uh, but it's really odd. You have to focus on the magic, not looking at the screen, because the second you look at the screen, you're gonna start making mistakes. Um, moving on to the most important question, and I get asked this all the time. Can anyone be a magician? Oh God, let's try that one again after a sip of water. Hang on. Mm. Can anyone be a magician? That's better. No, I don't think they can. I know it's a bold statement, but I'll explain why. There's a few people out there <coughs> who call themselves magicians. They've been to the magic shop, they've bought a few tricks and they go out and do it. That's doing tricks you've bought at a magic shop. There's no presentation necessarily behind it. And there's professional magicians out there that are great. And this is gonna sound really weird, but I, I believe it. Um, I believe every person is put on this planet to do something. And I believe I was put on this planet to show as many people live magic as possible. The enjoyment it brings me and everyone else when they see it, it's just the best drug in the world. It really is. For example, the other day I was walking the dog in the park. This isn't the story like episode one. And there's a chap that I've seen in the park a few times with his little kid. And he didn't know I was a magician. I said, let me show you something. So I did a coin trick and a stick trick. And that morning I was kind of, I don't know, I wasn't feeling myself for some reason. Um, I think it happens occasionally during lockdown, we just kind of go, oh, we miss catching up with people, we miss going out performing. And I did this, and it's just like I was back to normal again, I got kind of the smile on his face and the kid who must be like two or something, just kind of, you could see the look on its face. 
just kind of going, what did I just sing? And the dog was just sitting there going, are you going to walk me or not? <laughs> um, so yeah, I think the magic has the power to make everyone's day. Yes, not everyone's going to like it, and that's fine. I can't please everyone. And I, and I wouldn't want to please everyone. It's like when I put content out on social media. It's kind of, as long as I'm happy with it, that's all that matters. You can't, if you try and put out something, a post that everyone's going to like, you'll be disappointed when not everyone likes it. And I think people have their opinions on it. Um, but I only think most people who don't like magic have either seen a bad magician or they're scared that it might actually be like voodoo or something like that. Anyway, I digress. Um, I asked everyone on social media, what's the best magic trick they've ever seen? Some have done Soaring in Half. Some people mentioned Covent Garden in London because there's Magic Corner and there's a chap that does like the linking rings, cups and balls, and it's great. And the amount of people, I think there was, hang on, let me have a look at the sheet. About six people replied going, oh, we love this one and this one and this one, but they're all on TV. We've never seen them live. And I thought, that's quite sad that kind of... There's so much magic out there and not enough people are seeing it. Or if they are, they're seeing it on TV and it's kind of, it doesn't have the same effect. You could watch, for example, the magic I'm going to do tonight will look good and it will be, I don't know if it's going to be entertaining because I've got to keep an eye on, say there's 15 people in the chat, I've got to see if they're paying attention. And it's like, it's just lose that live event feel. Which I, yeah, I've talked about this in previous episodes. I just don't agree. Don't agree. It's not that I don't agree with it. I just don't think it's magic. For example, um, Penn from Penn and Teller. This was his view on TV magic. And I think it sums it up quite nicely. If he went out into the streets and picked a random stranger and gave them a pack of cards and said, look, go up and, go up and down like the Las Vegas Strip. Ask somebody to choose a card. And when they put it back, name it. If you did that all day, at some point you'd be right. And that's the only one you've got to use. And then you can edit in kind of better reactions if you kind of do other tricks. It's like, you lose the magic part. I wouldn't classify it as magic on TV. Not yet. Anyway. Um, and then someone went, right, you've asked everyone what their definition of magic is. What's yours? And I thought about it. And I was going to... Because the obvious answer is, if you look at a definition of magic, it's anything that can't be explained by maths, science, or any other rational means. And I used to like that. And then I went off it, because it's like... Oh, that's not what magic is. And my answer is I'm not sure. Because I think, with the answers I've got, everyone sees magic differently, and they interpret it differently. So who am I to say, this is what magic is, take it or leave it? Isn't it nice that in everyone's heads, magic is slightly different? God, that sounded profound, didn't it? In everyone's heads, magic is different. For example, when I do a card trick or a coin trick or whatever, I'm watching it from your point of view now. 
I know the methods, but I kind of, I forget the methods and I perform it like I'm watching it with you. And the second I did that years ago, the magic got better. Because I'm amazed when it happens at the same time you are. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I don't have a definitive answer for what magic is. As long as it's entertaining and it gives people a feeling, an emotion of some kind, I don't mind what it is. But I just want something that when they see it, they go, wow. And they tell people about it. And that brings me on to another subject. And I, I love this. And it's one of the reasons, oh, it's one of the best bits about magic. Um, I can do a trick and people can say, I saw the coin disappear, it melted away or whatever. And then after the event, they'll probably forget the trick but they won't forget how it made them feel and they'll remember what they want to remember of it. For example, um, I took a card, I signed it, I put it back into the pack, I shuffled and he did nothing and then I reached into his jacket, I took out his wallet and inside the wallet was my signed card. And that's not necessarily what happened. In this case it is. But it's, it's creating that memory almost like an everlasting memory so you might think you forget about it but people will always remember it they'll, they'll see something and it will jar their memory it's like sometimes i'm going through my notebooks and it's like oh, i forgot about that trick and when i write tricks in the notebook i write them down from your point of view this is what happens i'd write no methods um or i might make like a little like initials or something or which book it can be found in. And here lies, so this is the best and worst things about being a magician. Here lies the downside. And it's, it's an interesting one, but I think it's a valid point. So when you're growing up and you see magic, you think it's the best thing you've ever seen. It looks amazing. Now, in order to become a magician, you need to learn how this stuff works. And the second you learn how it works, it's no longer, it's not, to you, it's not magic anymore. It's, oh, okay, I'm just doing this, 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 and this. And then when you see a new trick or whatever, or you're working on something, and you're getting an amazing results, that's what you've got to remember. Forget how it works. Um, like when I was six years old, and my dad took a coin, made it disappear and put it from behind my ears. I've got to remember that effect. And if I get a card, sign card to my wallet, I've got to remember the effect, not how it's done. And it makes such a difference the second you realise this. It's a bit like driving a car. When you first learn, you kind of have two hands on the wheel and you use that dodgy steering and you go, right, my foot's got to go down the clutch and everything, you've got to change gear, you've got to do this. And then when you drive now, you just get in the car and you drive. You don't even think about it. And I think that's what you've got to do with magic. Forget about the method. Just enjoy it. Remember why you came up with that trick in the first place and love it for that. Um, and I think you can apply it to most professions. It's like I'm going to start learning the saxophone soon once we're out of lockdown and everything. And the thing that makes me want to learn the saxophone is I've seen so many people play it at events and it sounds amazing. 
And what you don't see is the hours of practice they have to put in to make it sound that good. And, and they don't think about kind of the hours of practice they put in. They see the end result and go, that's why we practice. That's worth the hours upon hours and the mistakes we make. There's no such thing as the perfect magic trick. What works for me won't necessarily work for anyone else. It all comes down to different presentations. That's what makes us all unique. Um, and then someone went, is there such thing as a magic convention? Yes, and they're epic. Um, so there's one I go to every January called The Session. It's based uh, in London. And you get about 500 plus magicians from all around the world. And we get lecturers from all around the world. And I combine this with the next question, which is, if magicians don't tell people the secret, how do we learn? So I'll tell you a bit about the magic convention and then I'll tell you how we learn new stuff. So one of the best things about the magic convention isn't the lectures. The lectures are great and they're good fun. But it's going to bed at like four or five in the morning when you've been sitting at the bar all night, chatting with friends, working on ideas and just showing people stuff. It's a great way for us to go, this is what we've been working on. What do you think? Like, do you see anything that you shouldn't? But also kind of putting out the tricks that everyone loves to see. There's nothing wrong with showing other magicians tricks. But if we don't tell people the secret, how do we learn? Well, you can either learn from other magicians giving lectures, but you've got to be very careful when you're watching a lecture. So they'll do a trick and then they'll explain it. And it's the trick that it works for them, but his presentation or her presentation won't necessarily work for me. It probably won't work for me. I was like changing it up. But it's like, look, here's how it's accomplished. These are the methods. So sometimes it's just combining different methods together and then streamlining it. It's like all my magic can be described by, it looks like I do nothing, it just happens. And I love that saying. Um, and then I learn from books and everything. Now books are a great way to learn. Because if you watch a DVD, you're done a perform it like they do on the video. Rather than if you're reading a book, what I know, what I love doing, I can't remember who suggested this, suggested like this years ago. Open up the book, find a trick you like, read the effect, bookmark the page and then close it. Go away, work on the trick using all the methods you know. Once you're happy with it, go back to the book, read that method and say, Right, which is better, his version, my version, or do I want to mix the two? I think you've got to put your own spin on it. If you don't, every magician would be the same. So I'm, I know a few magicians who do similar tricks to me, but they don't look similar because of the way we present them. And that's what makes a magician, the way we present something. We need to leave you with that lasting memory. When you see a magician at that moment, you should go, that's the best magician I've ever seen. That's how strong magic should be. Um, moving on, best event I've ever done. I get asked this all the time. I don't know. I don't have one. They're all, they're not all great. We do have some ones that aren't as good. But it's the people that make the event. 
Um, so the last, the last one that I really remember was we were on a rooftop bar overlooking St Paul's and it was full of event people and it was a big party. This was just before lockdown and I was doing magic and we went late into the night and it was just such fun. Yes, I'm showing off kind of everything I can do, but it was just the looks on people's faces because we don't, when, when you're working, you don't really get to see the entertainment because you're running the event or you're doing something else. So to show all these event people, there must have been, God, a few hundred of them, what I can do, it was the, it's been the highlight of this year, to be honest. Uh, and I can't wait to do it again, get back to performing events. Um, we're going to take a short break. And when I come back, I'm going to tell you something about me that not many people know. So welcome back. I thought long and hard about whether I wanted to talk about this or not. If you listen to episode six with the interview with CK and I, I talk about the fact that I had dyspraxia when I was born and everything like that. Now I've still got it, but I don't, I don't even think about it anymore. It's just kind of, I've overcome it to the point where it's almost non-existent. And I thought, do I tell more people about it? And I'm going to, only, only briefly, only for like a couple of minutes. Because I think there's so many people out there that don't do something they really want to do because they're not sure whether they can do it or not. They don't have that belief. Or people have said, oh, you can't do that. And enough people have told them and it's just like, oh, if enough people have told me, then I won't bother. Uh, and there's a book I'm reading at the moment called Personality Isn't Permanent, and it talks about it in the book. And this, this is why I'm going to briefly dis discuss it. So when I was at school, I couldn't even catch a ball. If you threw a tennis ball at me, there was no way I was catching it. Um, and my left and right were all out of sync. It's kind of... I remember being at school and we had something called the CCF, the Combined Cadet Force. It was either that or do the Duke of Edinburgh. And it's like, no, I fancy going to army bases and shooting guns and stuff like that. Which we did occasionally when we went on camps. And there was a chap called Steve who was fairly short, used to be in the parachute regiment. And I still remember the first time we kind of got introduced, we are all standing in a line. And he's like, right, everyone, left turn. Everyone turns left. <laughs> I turn right and it's like okay and he could have gone oh god but he didn't he went I can see we've got some work to do and it's like yeah and during kind of and the teacher kind of knew about it as well and over time kind of my left and right got fixed but if you hold your left and right hand down and you make an L shape this is how I started not learning which was left, which was right. Your left hand creates the perfect L, your right hand won't. It's kind of back to front. Um, and then, do I want to talk about this? Yeah, why not? Um, we're going to go on a ton a bit longer, but I think it's important that everyone knows kind of if you really put your mind to something, you can do whatever you want. Um, 
there's a chap called David Mulholm, David Mulholm, who came up with a technique of using a paintbrush. It was like a 30p paintbrush. And when you're born with dyspraxia, it's certain body functions aren't shutting down properly and other ones aren't starting up. And using either the paintbrush end or the plastic end, you brush different parts of the body and it shuts down what should have been shut down and opens up what should have opened up. And at one point, he says to my mum and dad, he might grow a bit. Uh, and I was at boarding school at the time and I was growing an inch a month. I thought, I don't want to get too tall. I so luckily stopped at 6'4", which is, I think, a fairly good height. Um, so yeah, a paintbrush changed my life. There you go. Who thought that would ever be a sentence? A paintbrush changed my life. Um, and I knew from a young age that I wanted to be a magician. When I was at school, and the teacher went, what do you want to be when you're older? Rather than going, I want to be a magician, I went, I'm going to be a magician. She went, well, you can't. And I went, why? She went, well, name a famous magician. And she's like, well, David Copperfield, he's, he's famous. So yes, but he's world famous. I went, yes, but he had to start somewhere. And she didn't really have an argument for it. And then years later, I say years later, if it was a few years ago, I was up at Waterloo. And I recognised her, but I couldn't remember her name. So I just shouted out the name of the school. And she turned around and she went, David, it's like, blimey, was there, was there that much of a troublesome kid at school? And it's like, everyone calls me Magic Man now? And I smiled, she smiled. And it's like, yeah, we're kind of, everyone kind of figured out you'd be a magician. Rather than learning at school, you would practicing card moves and everything. Um, so yeah, that's a little something about me. If you want to do something, do it. As long as, it, as, long as it's not like death-defying. But if you want to do something death-defying and that's what you want to do, do it. Personally, have fun. Don't have any regrets or anything like that. Um, anything else I want to talk about? Not really. I think it's been long enough. I've enjoyed it, actually. I um, hope you have. Next week, we'll go back to normal. Uh, but if there's anyone that you've seen either on social media that you think might want to come on the show, let them know. If you know anyone that wants to sponsor it, um, just get the viewing figures, numbers, and everything up. That would be great. Uh, every Monday, I'm now doing a kind of mini quiz on Instagram which is good fun. I'll put some topics up probably this week, maybe this weekend to keep an eye out. Okay. What do you want me to talk about? Um, that's about it. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram to search for Magic Man London. And if you click the link in the bio there, you will find this podcast and everything else to contact me. Thank you so much for listening. Um, oh, hang on. I've forgotten the magic story. Uh, right, we're going to do a mini break while I choose which story, and uh, I'll be right back. I'll tell you what, go and have a cup of tea, pause it, I'll be back in a minute. Sorry about that. Um, here's the magic story. We'll keep it short and sweet this week because it's, uh, yeah, it's only a short one, but it's it's just such fun. So, a while ago I was at an event and I was doing card trick and everything and uh, this woman, you could just tell from the offset, she believed every word I was saying, which was, it's a lovely moment when everyone 
when like someone's hanging on your every word. And I did a trick. So she chooses a card from like a blue pack and uh, signs it. And she puts it back in, she shuffles, and I spread the pack on the table and there's one red card and I slide it forward. And uh, I don't say anything. I look at her, she looks at me, I look at the card. And I just wait because I know what her brain's thinking. Her brain's thinking, there's no way that's mine. So rather than me interrupting, let's just go, yeah, let's just wait for that moment that it's going to be turned over and it is. I want to see what her face does. And then something at the back of my head went, don't turn it over. Ask her to. So I snap my fingers and I look at her and she goes, I'm not turning it over. I'm like, what? I'm not, I'm not turning it over. I'm like, why? She went, because I know it's my card and it can't be. I signed a blue one. I saw it. There's no, there's no way it can be a red card. And uh, I go and turn it over. She's like, no. And she put her hand on top of it. I thought, right. There's, and I moved the rest of the cards out of the way. And at this point, a few more people are coming in. So what can I do to get her to turn that card over? Because it has to be turned over. If she doesn't turn it over, the whole trick is kind of gone. And I go, right, put your other hand on top. I put her other hand on top. And I snapped my fingers again. And I went, it's gone. It's like, it's back to normal. It's not your card anymore. And she lifts up her hand. She goes to turn it over. Now, the second her two fingers touch the card and start to turn it, I go, but the second you touch it and turn it over, it does. So what she does, and I still remember it, because it's like, <laughs> it was priceless. She gets her other hand, turns it over, so now she lifts her hands up, she'll see the face of the card. But she still doesn't want to believe it, and everyone else is going, is it? We don't, we don't know. And she eventually lifts her hand up, and it's changed and everything. And it was at this moment I thought, I could either end the trick there, or I could do something that basically creates a nuclear blast over this trick and makes it the best trick they've ever done to see that evening. I was like, let's do that. So she turns the card over and it's got her signature on it and it's now got a red back. And I go, look, here's the weird thing. She went, that's my signature, it's on there. I went, I know. I said, put your hand on top of it and just wait. So she puts her hand on top of it and waits a second. I said, now turn your hand, lift your hand up when you're ready. She lifts her hand out and the cards change colour, the back of the card. So rather than being uh, a red card, it's now blue, but it's still got her signature on it. And then I shake the card and you see the signature disappear. And inside my wallet is kind of her card. And I left it as that. I thought, I don't want to finish another phase because and I'm walking away and she went, can you change it back? I'm like, sorry? Can you change it back to a red card? I went, no. No, it, it changes once or twice and then that's it. It's kind of the way the card works. She went, I'll go on. So it's like, look, what I can do. And I carry these little envelopes occasionally that I put playing cards in. So I took a card, I said, look, here's your signature on a blue card. She went, yep. 
and I put it in the envelope and I said put it underneath the pillow when you wake up in the morning it'll be a red card with your signature on and she opened up the envelope to have a look make sure I hadn't done anything she's like okay so she, I get a phone call from her the next morning you're not going to believe what happened <laughs> I'm like I have a feeling she went last night I put that card underneath my pillow in the envelope and it was fine. I woke up in the morning and it had changed to a red back. And it's like, there we go, done. And I, I think the method's even better. Um, I, I might tip the method one day, but not yet. Anyway, that's Magic Story. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the weekend, it's meant to be glorious sunshine. Highs of 29, I think. God, I sounded all like weather forecasty then. Um, tune in next week for episode eight. If there's anything you'd like me to talk about, let me know. Drop me a message. And, uh, yeah, I will speak to you all next week. Look after yourselves. Take care. Bye. Magic Talks. Magic Man London.